Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Would you say your life is characterized as one of being a servant of Jesus Christ? Is serving Jesus the biggest priority in your life? Let's open to Romans chapter 1 and see what the living Word of God has to say to us. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. Today we are gonna we are gonna begin. Uh, I don't know how many teachings it'll be, but we're gonna we're gonna start the book of Romans today. the uh, The book of Romans. Uh, it, it has been said that the book of Romans is the greatest piece of literature ever penned in human history. Uh, that it is the greatest work ever penned of any kind. Think about that. That of everything that's ever been written in the history of writing, that this book of Romans is the most magnificent, powerful, insightful, important work ever penned by the hand of human beings. Which is, uh, which is saying a lot, yes? Uh, the book was written uh, by the Apostle Paul uh, to the church at Rome. And today we're going we're gonna to talk about the first seven verses. We're just going to work on verses one through seven. There's enough here to do, and these seven verses is probably enough to do five podcasts, but um, we're going to try to get through verses one through seven today and, uh, and take it from there. So we're going to go ahead and read it. And uh, we'll get right into it. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for your favor. We thank you for your grace. And, and Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the living word of God, Father. And we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Son of God. Father, we ask you to, to open our hearts now to receive your word. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us as we open the scriptures and lead me and guide me as I teach your word. Father, we commit this time into your hands and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son who, as to his human nature, was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and for his name's sake we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. When we just read that, it just, uh, 
just that introduction is is just overwhelming. It's almost like a symphony. It's it's incredible. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse one starts. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Uh, Paul again is the author of the letter. He dictated it, as we'll see in uh, chapter sixteen. He identifies himself first as a servant of Christ Jesus. All of us as Christians are called to be a servant of Christ Jesus. Now, when Paul says this, he's not saying it in a, uh, in a light way. He's not saying it in a cavalier way. He's not saying it in a trite way. He is saying that, that his life is identified by being or as being a servant of Christ Jesus. All of us that are Christians, if you're a Christian today, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, then Jesus Christ is living in your heart. Jesus Christ has given his life for you. He lived a perfect life for you. He was born into this world and lived a perfect sinless life for you and for me, Nathan. For 33 and a half years, he lived a perfect sinless life. Then he died a perfect sinless death for all of us, for you and for me. And then he was raised from the dead. He is alive and risen. All of this he did on your behalf and my behalf and in your place. Jesus actually died on the cross, the death that you and I deserve to die for our sin. All of us, because of our sin, deserved to die and be separated from God for eternity in hell. But Jesus came willingly. God the Son, God, Jesus is God, willingly became a human man and gave his life in your place and in my place. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you ask Jesus to come into your heart and to be the Lord of your life and to save you from your sin, and you, you call on him, truly putting all your faith and trust in Jesus, Jesus comes to, to live in your heart. And all of your sin, past, present, and even your future sin, is credited to Jesus at the cross and the perfect righteous life that Jesus lived is credited to you. Now stop for a moment and think about that. Think about the magnitude of that statement. That exchange is the heart of Christianity. The heart of Christianity, the heart of the Christian gospel is the exchange of all of your sin, past, present, and future, being credited to Jesus and put to Jesus and taken by Jesus in the perfect righteous life that he lived, him giving it to you and crediting it to you. So when God sees you, he actually sees you as righteous as Jesus. He sees you as sinless as Jesus. It's the most incredible thought ever, right? Now, that's what happened when we were saved, when we received Jesus Christ into our heart as our Lord and Savior. The only reasonable response to that for Jesus giving his life for us is for us to in turn now 
give our lives to Jesus as Christians, as those who have received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the only reasonable response is to live our lives as servants of Jesus Christ. That the priority of your life, Nicholas, would be to serve Jesus Christ. That when you wake up every day, what comes to your mind is how can I serve Jesus? What is his heart for me today? How can I serve him today? Is that the identity of our lives? Could it be said, could this book be said, Nicholas, a servant of Christ Jesus? Stephen, a servant of Christ Jesus. Tom, Christy, May, Jim Jr., a servant of Christ Jesus. Is that the identity of your life and mine? The obvious answer is no. Okay. That's what we're called to. That is what we're called to be, is to give our lives in service to Jesus Christ. That's the only reasonable response when we've received him as our savior and him giving his life entirely for us. But for the most part, all of us would look at our lives and say, no, our lives are not, Nicholas. They're not characterized as being servants of Jesus Christ. We, we all serve a lot of things. We all have a, a lot of interests in our lives, right? Most of us, when we wake up in the morning, we have our minds on a lot of different things, but unfortunately, our, not, our minds are not on how are we going to serve Jesus today? How can I serve Jesus um, at my school? How can I serve Jesus while I'm playing baseball? How can I serve Jesus at my job today? How can I serve Jesus um, when I'm talking to my friends today? That ought to be the lifestyle that we're living. And the vast majority of us as Christians would say, no, that's, that's not how I live my life. I, uh, you know, we wake up and we, you know, we have, we have all the things in our lives that, that we're trying to manage, we're trying to do. And certainly we need to do those things, right? But all of those things actually should be secondary. All those things should come behind being a servant of Jesus Christ. The goal of your and my life is to continually grow till, till we could actually be characterized that our lives above everything else are characterized as servants of Christ Jesus. Uh, Lord Jesus, I, uh, I confess that 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 is not the primary function of my life throughout my day. I thank you, Lord, that I do have, have moments throughout my day where I am laboring to be a servant of Christ Jesus. But, but Lord, uh, your word says that uh, Paul said to follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. We're told that whatever we see in Paul, whatever we hear in Paul, whatever we receive from Paul, whatever we learn from Paul, we're supposed to put it into practice, it says in Philippians 4 verse 9, and you'll be with us. And Father, Paul says it that he is a true servant of Christ Jesus. So I ask you to help us to, uh, as one and all as Christians, to this day to begin to increasingly try to live our lives like our spiritual father, the Apostle Paul. Help us, Father, that we would increasingly look for ways and opportunities to more and more truly to be a servant of Christ Jesus 
in every aspect of our lives. Father, I ask you to forgive us where Jesus is not the center of our heart. Jesus is not the most important thing in our lives, where we have so many other things, Lord, that, that, that vie for our attention, so many other things that we desire more than Jesus. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your mercy on our life. I thank you that you do forgive us. And I ask you to help us today, Lord Jesus, to, uh, to begin this lifestyle of being a servant of Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Paul said he was called to be an apostle. An apostle is a special kind of minister that is sent out by Jesus to do the work of the kingdom of God, to do the work of the gospel. It's a special uh, ministerial calling in the kingdom of God. But all of us as Christians are actually called to be ministers of Jesus Christ. So again, you can put your name in there. You are called and set apart to be a minister of the gospel. How much time do you spend in being a minister for Jesus Christ? How much time do you spend in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? There are countless ways today that we can share the gospel. You can, you can do it by forwarding emails. You can, you can do it by sending text messages. You can, there are countless ways we can do our job as ministers. Not all of us are called, a uh, few of us are called as vocational ministers, meaning that's what we do for, for a living. But every Christian is called and set apart for the gospel of God. And again, this is just another area where we can look at it and say, are we living our lives like we are set apart for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is literally nothing in your life or mine that's more important than the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is what saves us. The gospel is the good news that Jesus came and lived a perfect life for us and died a perfect death for us and is alive and risen. And if we'll receive Jesus, if we'll believe in him and call on him and trust in him as our Lord and Savior, all of our sin will be forgiven and we will come into relationship with God as our father. There is nothing more important than that, right? There's nothing more important than coming into relationship with God as your father, with having your sins forgiven, that you might truly go to heaven and not go to hell. There's nothing more important than that. And you and I have actually been set apart for the gospel of God and we have to begin this day to start living our lives more and more like we're set apart for the gospel. There are so many aspects of my life where I live like I'm set apart for my hobbies. I'm set apart for what, what's fun. Sometimes, I mean, seriously, I have to confess that sometimes I live my life like I'm set apart to watch the Dallas Cowboys, unfortunately lose. But we're set apart for the gospel of God, right? Not for our own fun and our own interests. Now, again, it's fine that we have our own interests. It's fine that we have hobbies. It's okay to watch a cowboy game. But more and more and more and more, Matthew, you want your life to be set apart for the gospel of God, set apart for the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ and all that he's done for you. Verse 2, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The gospel is not new. The gospel didn't just come on the scene 
when the New Testament started and Jesus was born. The gospel was promised 4,000 years earlier, before Christ, back in Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, right there the Lord prophesied, the Lord said that Jesus would come. In Genesis 3, he said to the devil, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and he will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. And that was a prophecy 4,000 years before Christ, that Jesus would come and would be crucified and give his life for the sins of the world. The gospel is spoken about all through the Old Testament. And it's important to understand, it says it was promised by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, okay? The Holy Scriptures are the word of the living God. They are actually God's word. Try to think about that. The Bible is the actual word of God. After you've come to believe the gospel, which is in the word of God as well, right? The, the reason we believe in Jesus is it says it in our Bible. Why do you believe that Jesus died for you? Above all, you believe he died for you because it says in your Bible that he died for you. Why do you believe that Jesus is raised from the dead? You believe it primarily because it says it in your Bible. The Bible is the living word of God. And Paul says that this gospel was promised by the prophets of God. Throughout the whole Old Testament, you see prophecy of that, that Jesus would come. Right? You remember in Isaiah, it says the virgin will be with child, right? Isaiah says he will be called Wonderful Counselor, right? Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, right? The reign of his kingdom will have no end. All of these Old Testament books, in almost all of them, there are prophecies that Jesus would come. It prophesied before it happened. But again, what I want to touch on is that. It said this in the Holy Scriptures. It doesn't say this on Instagram. Now, it doesn't say this on TV, right? Hopefully on Instagram and on TV that we're quoting the Holy Scriptures, but the single most authentic and powerful thing you have is your Bible, the Holy Scriptures. It says the gospel he promised beforehand in the Holy Scriptures, the promises of God are in your Bible. How much time are you spending in your Bible, studying your Bible, memorizing your Bible, just, just washing yourself in that Bible? Because the promises of God are in the Bible. The promise of salvation through Jesus Christ is in your Bible. All throughout the Old Testament, it said that Jesus would come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's the Holy Scriptures. It's your Bible. That's the very word of God. When you read your Bible, study your Bible, memorize your Bible, you're, you're feeding your soul and your spirit. There is literally nothing in your life as a Christian that's better for you than spending time in your Bible. Wow. The promises of God are in the Holy Scriptures, in the Bible. Verse 3. In the Holy Scriptures, verse 3, regarding his son, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Spirit, regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David. It remarks on his human nature because Jesus had two natures. He had a divine nature as well as a human nature. 
when Jesus became a human man, he actually put a portion of his divinity on the shelf. He actually became a human man and lived this life as you and I have to live it. He lived it being led by the Holy Spirit, being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he lived his life as a man and he vacated, or for that 33 and a half years, he took some of his divinity and put it on the shelf. Not all of it, but some of it. The whole point I'm making here is, as to his human nature. It goes out of his way to talk about his human nature because he also has a divine nature, right? Jesus is God, right? Our God, you've heard, is a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Son is the one that became a human man for us. God the Son is Jesus. And it says that as to his human nature, was a descendant of David. Again, when you look at the lineage in the Bible, you will see that Jesus is descended from the line of David. So it's amazing. We, we actually see in the scriptures an actual and factual um, genealogy, and that genealogy of Jesus comes from the line of King David. So again, Jesus has a human nature, and he has a divine nature. Now, the difference between his human nature is he had no sin in his human nature. You and I were born with a sinful nature, okay? Jesus, because he was born of a virgin, did not receive a sinful nature. So when Jesus was born, he's born without a sinful nature. You and I, all human beings, have been born since Adam and Eve with a nature to sin, a nature to do wrong. And we, we see it in our lives. We want our own way. We're selfish. We have a sinful nature. Jesus did not have that because he was born of a virgin. Verse four, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead Jesus Christ, our Lord. Again, just look at the incredible symphony, the harmony may in there, right? And who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The resurrection of Jesus is the single most important event in human history. Without the resurrection of Jesus, nothing else matters. Everyone else is still in the grave. Every other religion's people are still in the grave, right? Jesus Christ is risen. He is a risen Christ. God the Son, Jesus Christ, has been raised from the dead. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that verifies and authenticates his death on the cross as being completely sufficient for the forgiveness of our sin and the salvation of our soul. When Jesus was raised from the dead, that was God the Father saying, I give my full approval for the finished work that my son Jesus did at the cross. So by raising Jesus from the dead, God the Father was validating that all that Jesus did on the cross was sufficient for the forgiveness of sins and the salvation of your soul. And that resurrection proves you can fully trust in the work of the cross 
for the salvation of your soul and the forgiveness of your sins. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. He is declared with power to be the Son of God. It echoes. It echoes all over the world. The Holy Spirit declares. He declares to your spirit, to my spirit, that Jesus is the Son of God. He is God the Son. All right? In his humanity, even in his humanity, he was the Son of God. Because, as you recall, Mary was not made pregnant by Joseph. Mary wasn't made pregnant by any human man. Mary was made pregnant by God the Father. Therefore, even in his humanity, God was his father, right? Because God was the one that made Mary pregnant. It's amazing, right? Thank you, Lord Jesus. He is the Son of God, right? Now, as God the Son, Jesus is eternal. He was never created. God the Father didn't make Jesus in eternity. Okay, Jesus has always existed. He is the eternal, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're all God. And they all have the attributes of God. Jesus, as we said, took on a human nature so that he could do the work of redemption. He could do the work of dying for the sins of the world so that you and I could have our sins forgiven and come into relationship with him and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord, okay? He is God. He is the Lord of heaven and the Lord of earth. He says in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. God the Father has placed all authority under Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of everything. He's the Lord of every aspect of your life. Whether you know him or not, he is the Lord of every human being, of every aspect of humanity. He is your Lord. Now, you have to receive him as your Savior. You have to put your trust in him. You have to, right now, are you actively trusting in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? Have you called? Have you actually prayed and said, Lord Jesus, with all my heart, I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life and save me from my sin and bring me to heaven when I die. Jesus, I, I trust in you and you alone to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Are you actively trusting in Jesus? Because Jesus is the Lord of heaven and earth. And he has provided for your salvation by his finished work at the cross. But, but you have to appropriate that. You have to believe that and receive him and trust him as your only Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Verse 5. Wow. Through him... And for his name's sake, we receive grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. That's quite a verse. Through him 
anything you do good has to be done through Christ. You need to do it, but you have to do it empowered by Christ, relying on Christ, with a heart for Christ. Until we have Jesus living in our hearts, we can't do anything of eternal value. Anything. We are eternally useless, Tom, until we have Christ living in us. Now, that's a hard word. I don't like it. It's what the Bible teaches. The Bible is unambiguous in teaching that we cannot even please God until we have Jesus Christ living in our hearts. It's in Romans 8. Until we have the spirit of Jesus living in us, we cannot please him. Verse 5, through him, through Jesus, and for his name's sake, we received grace and apostleship. It's not only through Jesus, but it's for Jesus and for Jesus' name that we have the grace that we have. You and I have been given a tremendous amount of grace in Jesus Christ, in our relationship in Jesus Christ. And it's really for the name of Jesus and the glory of Jesus and the magnifying of Jesus that we've been given the grace we've been given. But as we've said here, very few of us as Christians have really begun to live our life for the name of Jesus, right? We, we generally live our lives as Christians and, and we're, we're, we're saved and we're going to heaven. But for most of us, our lives are still about our lives, our wives, our children, our work, our hobbies, Stephen, our games, our sports, Nick. Our lives are, are about us. And I'll say again, uh, you know, Jesus does not begrudge us. It's okay if we do those things, but more and more and more and more, I promise you at the end of your life, you're not going to say, you know, man, I, I wish I watched more Netflix. I wish I played more baseball. I wish I, uh, I just, I, I wish I just spent more time on, on social media. No, no. You're going to say, I wish I did more for Jesus's name. I wish I did. I wish I lived my life for Christ more. That's what all of us are going to say. And that's why we've been given the grace we've been given. Through him and for his namesake, we receive grace. We're saved by grace, but also there's nothing we can do outside of grace. We need the grace of Jesus Christ in order to do anything. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. With me, all things are possible. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Through him and for his namesake, we receive grace and apostleship, for what purpose? To call people from among the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. Who are Gentiles? There are only two types of people in the world. The Bible sets out two groups of people, and, and all of us are in one of them. There are people who are of Jewish descent, the Jews, and then there's everyone else, the Gentiles. If you're not born with a Jewish heritage, if you're not Jewish, then you're a Gentile. If you're a Gentile, you're not Jewish. But look what it says here, that the reason that they received this grace and this ministry as an apostle is to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. He's going to go on in, in this letter to talk about how it's also to call all the Jews. Every single person in the world needs Jesus Christ, whether you're Jewish or whether you're non-Jewish, which means you're a Gentile, all of us need Jesus Christ. Paul was Jewish, and again, he's going to go through this letter, and he's going to talk about how 
all people, Jewish people who've had the Bible, Gentile people who didn't at that time have the Bible, all are under sin. Every human being needs Jesus Christ to be saved. Every human being needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every human being has been set apart for the gospel. The Bible says it's God's will that all men and women be saved. Peter said that it's God's will that no man or woman ever should perish, that all should come to repentance and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 6, and you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. If you're hearing this today, you're called to belong to Jesus Christ. Everyone is called to belong to Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, the Bible says no one will see heaven. And unfortunately, the Bible teaches the only other place is hell. There's no reason anyone needs to perish. There's no reason anyone needs to go to hell. Give your life to Jesus today. The very reason we exist is for Jesus Christ. The reason you were born is to be a servant of Jesus Christ, but you can't be a servant of Jesus until you first know him. Now, the good news is, certainly good news for me and all of us, is that nothing we do as a servant of Christ has anything to do with our salvation because we would be in trouble. I am telling you the best five minutes I live would send me to hell. Nothing you do helps you go to heaven. Your salvation is completely and totally based on what Jesus has done and only on what Jesus has done. Now, after you've been saved, after you've truly received Jesus, you do want to grow and mature in being a servant of Christ Jesus as opposed to being a servant of everything else we serve in this world. The reason we exist is for Jesus' name. The reason we exist is to bear fruit for Jesus. The reason we exist is to praise Jesus. The reason we exist is to love Jesus. The reason we exist, Tom, is to help other people know Jesus. The reason we exist, Jesse, is to help your children know Jesus. Everyone you know Jesus. Jesus ought to be at the center of everything we do. And Lord, we need a lot of help. I thank you, Lord. We thank you for this revelation. We thank you that we, we have time, Lord, that we can live this. And we ask you to help us to do it. We are all among those called to belong to Jesus Christ. He just told everybody in Rome, you're called to belong to Jesus. And everyone in this world is called to belong to Jesus Christ. Give your life to Jesus and if you have given your life to Jesus, start being a servant of Christ Jesus today. Start saying, you know what? I want to be more and more set apart for the gospel of God. I want, I want to, you know, it says it in my Bible. It's in the Holy Scriptures. Mm. What does this mean here at the end of verse 5? To call people from among the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. I think this has two parts here. The first act of obedience is to come to faith in Jesus Christ. The first thing you need to do is obey the call of God to have your sins forgiven, Kristen, and to give your life to Jesus Christ, Lord. That's the first thing you need to obey is the gospel of God. You need to obey the gospel and come to faith in Jesus Christ. We're saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And you need to obey that gospel. 
Whatever other thoughts we may have in our minds about salvation in heaven, we need to obey the gospel. The gospel's the good news that although we are sinful people, that in Jesus Christ, our sins can be forgiven and will be forgiven and God will become our father and our soul will be saved and will go to heaven when we die. The first part of this obedience is the obedience to obey the gospel of God. But also this says obedience that comes from faith. Once we have given our lives to Jesus, there ought to be a manifest an increasing manifest of obedience. Your life and my life ought to be characterized by increasing obedience to Jesus Christ as laid out in the Holy Scriptures. The obedience that comes from faith. Verse 7, right? What is the obedience that comes from faith? When you've genuinely put your faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus comes to live in your heart, Wendy, there ought to be an increasing manifestation of your faith in the way of obedience. You're not saved by obedience, but your life ought to increasingly take on greater and greater obedience to what the Bible tells us to do. We ought to be growing to obey the word of God, and that ought to be a manifestation of our faith in Jesus, right? Again, to call people from among the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. So we are called to come to Christ in faith. And then once we come to Christ and Jesus is living in us, we ought to have a lifestyle of growing and increasing obedience as the result of our faith in Jesus Christ. I hope that makes sense. And finally, verse 7. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. You can say that wherever you are. To all in Texas who are loved by God and called to be saints. To all in Connecticut who are loved by God and called to be saints. To all in North Carolina who are loved by God and called to be saints. To all in Italy. I guess Rome is in Italy. To all in Africa who are loved by God and called to be saints. To all in Singapore who are loved by God and called to be saints. Wherever you live, put that in there. This, this is written, this incredible, overwhelming letter. You remember what I said at the beginning? It has been said that this is the, the greatest piece of writing ever penned. Ever. Like the, the billions of times that words have been put to paper, this is the most important. Try to understand that. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, you notice Paul says grace and peace to you. The most important blessings in our lives. Paul didn't say, you know, may big houses be given to you and nice cars be given to you, but grace and peace to you from God our Father. He could have said, you know, may God our Father give you, you know, a, a, a big house, Matthew. May he, may he give you more money, Matthew. May he give you a better job. But no, it's the spiritual blessings from God that are the most important, not the, not the natural ones, Stephen. Grace and peace to you, Linz, from God our Father. God's grace, that's the means by which you were saved. Peace, 
That's the result of your salvation. You have peace with God when you've received Jesus Christ. If you hadn't received Jesus Christ, you are actually at war with the God of the universe. But when you receive him, you're at peace with God. Is there anything better than grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, just think about this and we'll end here. To put something behind God the Father. Jesus Christ is made equal here to God the Father. To put something beside God Almighty. You notice it could just say grace and peace from God our Father. But when it said grace and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, never would Paul do that if Jesus wasn't God. Jesus is God Almighty and he is put right there, side by side, with God the Father. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, may, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, who would you ever put in that statement? How could you put something beside God Almighty? God the Father, boom, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Equally, equally, they will give you Grace, and they will give you peace, and you could add the Holy Spirit to that as well. But this says, God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we do ask for your grace. We thank you for your grace in our lives, not only for salvation, but Lord, to, to really walk out the Christian life in, uh, in the way you would have us to do it. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the peace that you've given us, the peace that we have with you and with God our Father now and with the Holy Spirit through the work you've done on the cross. We thank you, Lord, for giving us eyes to see and ears that hear. Lord, we thank you for your grace and peace, Lord, and we ask you to help us to appropriate your grace to be servants of Christ Jesus, Lord. Lord, you, you gave everything for us. We ask you to help us, Lord, just, just today, just to begin to little by little live our lives a little bit more as servants of Christ Jesus, as your servants, Lord. And Lord, we ask you to help us to, uh, to somehow, again, begin to walk in this principle of being set apart for the gospel of God. Just a little bit, Lord. Let us remember the gospel and the good news. And, and Lord, uh, and, and help us to more and more be disciplined, Lord, in, in, in sharing the gospel, Lord. Um, through all the different medians you've given us in 2020, Lord. We can share the gospel in so many different ways, whether it be on, through email, whether it be through text message, whether it be through gospel tracts and leaving them, you know, leaving them here and there for people to read, giving them away, witnessing, Lord. Um, we thank you for the gospel of God. And, uh, and Lord, we thank you for the Holy Scriptures, Lord, where your promises are and where you were promised, Lord Jesus. Um, we ask you to, 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 to help us to spend more time in the Holy Scriptures. Lord, we thank you that you are our risen Christ. Lord, we proclaim that you are risen and we ask you to help us, Lord, to continually grow to obey you more and more and more and more through the grace you've given us and by the faith you've given us, Lord. We pray that our lives would be marked by an increasing obedience that comes from our faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We thank you for the word of God. And above all, we thank you for the Son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord. It's in his name we pray. Amen and amen.
Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.